Welcome, everybody. We're back. Hollywood Godfather podcast. Another week, another amazing show. And we're taking it from the headlines about a close friend of ours. So I want to say hello to my co-writer, Pat Picciarelli. Hi, everybody. And our millennium, Megan Haran. 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 I'm going to get it. Haran. Haran. Oh, she ran. I got it. I got it now. She ran. Haran. She ran. There you go. I had to identify. It only took me two years. I got it right. All right. Out of respect. Hello, everyone. Perfect. Perfect. So take it away, Pat. This is going to be an interesting Uh, show. This evening, we're going to be commenting on uh, an article that appeared in the New York Post two weeks ago. Don't have the exact date, but if you want to read it verbatim, just go to the uh, New York it Post was website. April twenty seventh. That's what I said. April twenty seventh uh, was the show. Just so look in the in the Post archives, and it's, it sort of leapt off the page because the uh, the writer of the article uh, brought everyone to uh, where how it is now, uh, as far as. Uh, his attitude towards his show and his fans. Howard Stern, just so our audience knows who, who, who well, Howard that's is. Howard, who doesn't know Howard? You know, well. <laughs> yeah, Howard Stern. Uh, and and this, you know, uh, Johnny and I know Howard. We go back a, a long way with him, and uh, uh, we can talk about our individual experiences. But this article brought uh, everybody up to date on how he has abandoned his own show, uh, how he has. Uh, disrespected his friends and uh, gone over to the dark side, so to speak. This was uh, Howard Stern was uh, uh, like to build himself as every man, the average guy, and he spoke for the average person. And now he seems to uh, have gone Hollywood, and he has dropped uh, ripping the people apart that he uh, used to find so much pleasure in doing, and uh, quite a few other things, but. Let's start off. I, I think we should start off with uh, uh, Johnny and I's relationship with Howard Stern. You want to want to pick up on that, Johnny? Well, my, my first relationship, I I never knew Howard Stern because uh, my nightlife and I was being on the west West Coast. He was so on in the morning, early in the morning. I was either going on my boat or going to bed because I used to go out to the lake a lot at Lake Mead when I closed my casino and go to sleep. So when he was building his career, and I used to get phone calls all hours of the day in the morning, especially when I came back to New York, because Pat Cooper was a regular on it. And Jimmy Kahn and Pat Cooper used to get on and they'd try to call me. And I never even answered the phone. And then a couple of times, you know, I said, well, you know, and then I listened to the show out of curiosity. And, uh, I, I, I just thought it was so bizarre. I wasn't really entertained by it at first, but then it got so crazy. And but I, you were brought you you were brought back numerous times. You were one of the most popular guests on the show ever. Well, I don't know about that, but I thank you for that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I got a kick out of you. <laughs> well, I I, I, re, I remember though when after the biggest accolade I got out of his twenty years of success. They polled his audience after 20 years, and I was one of the top 10 guests. There you go. Which, and then he was selling it for 1995, and I saw him out at the Hamptons, 
I said, you're selling the show that I was on. He said, yeah, man, everybody likes that show. I said, where's my piece? <laughs> where's my end? <laughs> okay, so those those were the good days uh, with you and with me. Uh, I'm a private investigator, for those of you who don't know, and I, I worked with Howard in that capacity. So I don't want to uh, talk about exactly what I did for him, but I will say that he treated me extremely well. Uh, very generous guy. Uh, always in a good mood. He went. He had parties at his house, and uh, I, I went to one. Well, he actually didn't have parties there. He was a very, and still is. He's not a partying guy. At least he wasn't then. Yeah, I was just going to say, when, when did he have he a had, party? Uh, <laughs> he, he he had a separate parking at his house for people with Corvettes. I had Corvette. I had like four of them over the over the span of many years. If you had a Corvette, you could park right up against the house. If you didn't, you had to park down the driveway somewhere. Then you had to hire a cab to get to his house. I mean, it was a hike. But uh, he always accommodated me very well. His first wife, Allison, was a real sweetheart. She she, she did a painting for me on this big can. Uh, I mean, just nice people. Uh, and then I moved away. I, I lived in uh, the wilds of Pennsylvania. I tell everybody I'm on the witness protection program. But now I guess with the podcast, everybody knows who I am. But eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> They're still, um, not, they're still not going to find you out there, believe me. <laughs> Sometimes I can't find my address. You know, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a number on my house. I, I want to confuse people. <laughs> you know, I, I was here for at least two years, and I still wasn't getting my mail. He said, why don't you put your house number on the house? I said, I, I just, you know, I'm just very private. He said, well, you're going to get private. You're not going to get your friggin' mail, you know. But anyway, <laughs> this article uh, gives a, a depiction of, Howard today, now, you got to understand, uh, he makes $120 million a year. He works three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And if you do the math, that's a million dollars a show. It's amazing. Nine hours a week, $9 million a week. That's that's Gianni Russo money. <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're, talking, you're talking big bucks here. But... Uh, uh, the point is everything that, according to this article, we can't speak to this uh, uh, personally, but it just uh, 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 amazes me that everything he used to do that that made him a household name, he, he no longer does. Now, one of the favorite segments of the show that, that I enjoyed, toward the end of the show, used to go over the news. And of course, everything is ad-libbed on the show, just like it is on ours, but uh, he used to comment on the news. The guy was actually hysterical. He was funny. He abandoned that. You know, I mean, I, I want to correct you about one thing that, that that after getting this article, because you and I, a little over two years ago, reached out to our friend Howard Stern yeah, because he was approachable to us all the time. And that was two years ago. So what you're writing about now uh, you and I were the first one to be shocked by it because we basically wanted to promote our book on his show and we were tripping over each other. Oh, you call him, no, I'll call him. Oh, no, you call him, I'll call him. And he wouldn't take any of our calls. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I figured, you know, I, I've been away from, uh, from the for 30 years. I figured, well, Shadi, you call him because you know, obviously you're in touch with him. He says, no, I'm not. And I'm thinking, well, I, I'm not either. So let's both call him. Anyway, uh, 
No, he wouldn't have us on his show. I'm very surprised. I mean, uh, I'll be shocked actually. And not yeah. not that he would turn us down. He had, you know, one of his producers, somebody not even returned the call and just, you know, I, and I remember the last big show I did, and I just came back, it was 9-11, and I was with Bill Clinton, and I mean, I, I think it was on the show for three hours, and he brought me back more and about that one alone, and I really, you know, there was times I didn't want to get up that early and go over there, but he was my friend, but he wouldn't even take our call. So this has probably been brewing in him to become this recluse idiot that he became rather than the guy well, we you, all knew him as. Uh, I did get uh, a return email from one of his underlings, so I don't know. Uh, it must have been somebody new. That Howard uh, no longer has celebrity guests. Well, I'm, I'm certainly not a celebrity, but you and for the... For the uh, 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 listeners that you acquired, because it was you and you were a popular guest, you're a celebrity. I mean, come on, you've been around. Well, that was a lie, though, because he had so many bigger guests than me as no, a celebrity. Later. But not uh, lately. Oh yeah. Oh no. Jen, Jen, oh, what's her name was on it? Jennifer Anderson was on it. My son Anthony never stops listening. To and this has been going on about two years now because I've been going up to up to Schenectady a lot out and up where Saratoga, where my son lives, and less and less he's listening to him. I said, "Why don't you have Howard on?" He said, "No, he's getting boring." So I mean, and now that this article came out, I'm saying even here's a kid that's 33 years old, lived by Howard Stern. So, I mean, I don't understand why they even renewed him, which I think this article touched on that. Megan, you, well, you read some stuff on that, didn't you? Yeah, well, the... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead, Pat. To say the uh, uh, serious Radio, who uh, who hosts the show, uh, you know, you wonder why. It's a good question. $120 million. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of bucks. They acquire uh, advertisers. They can say, well, we have Howard Stern, and you, nobody else does. And they have a point. So they wouldn't be paying him $120 million unless they were making a profit. No but, the, no, but the bottom line, as, as you pointed out in the article, did too. I mean, there's specific things that are missing for him to be getting that kind of money. I mean, you well, have the sidekicks. The, well, not only well, the sidekicks. No, I'm talking about the, the, the amount of listeners he had when he first went on. And uh, Yeah, and speaking about the, about the listeners, um, part of the article... Um, talked about how whether it was Stern lovers, diehard fans, or people who hated his guts, both had longer listening spans than normal people would for any you know regular radio show. And it was always because I people wanted to see what he would say, the say next, whether they loved it and thought he was hilarious or they thought that he was insane and out of his mind. People were so hung on his every word. And it is interesting to see how that has just completely flipped. Because he, he bitches and complains a lot. And no, no one wants to hear that. You know, all these uh, characters that he had on the show, for the most part, they're gone. And uh, who was that uh, that uh, comic, uh, Johnny, that was always uh, overdosing? What was his name? Uh, Audie, Audie, Audie Lang. Lang. Audie Lang, yeah. Audie Lang. I mean, uh, he... Uh, he actively slams Howard every chance he gets and what he's become. You know, but everybody looks at, at audiences, well, it's just it's just sour grapes because Howard doesn't have you on the show anymore. But apparently, Audie 
has some validation here in, in this article. I mean, all these people that he had on, he got rid of. His biggest attraction now, according to this article, during the day, all these characters he had since they're gone, he's got his limousine driver, Ronnie the limousine driver, who was around, you know, when I was around. Right. Uh, and he would have maybe a couple of minutes a day on the show, he'd do a phone call or something. Now he's the main attraction. Really? Nobody else. Mm. Regulars. I didn't, I didn't even know. I, I, I never... Ronnie the limo driver? I met Ronnie. I met Ronnie the limousine driver with my son Anthony. I didn't even know who the guy was. Yeah, he's been he's been with him for many years. I mean, I've I've been away thirty years, and he was there when I was there. Wow. The seventeen year old guy now who's not a radio personality, and they 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 just comment on how it's got him on all the time because he says uh, what Howard wants to hear, and the guy's not a radio personality. He's downright boring, and uh, he's got to be losing. Uh, uh, listeners, but one thing about serious radio is they don't broadcast their uh, ratings for Howard. Hmm. Well, you know what I found out after we decided to do this show, I, I wanted to know why they were still paying him. And what I'm going to tell you, you're not going to believe. You ready for this? I'm ready. I'm sitting down. S serious radio made a deal with car dealerships where they give you a, a year of serious right. radio in your new car. And people who just buy them and forget about it, like uh, um, I don't want to say a gym membership because um, Megan's following gyms, they just forget and just keep paying it. So yeah. Sirius has not seen a decline in people renewing after the year of their new cars. So they're making money from the big car dealerships where you get a one year of serious radio. Not Howard Stern, serious radio. So I think that's maybe why, what you just touched on, they don't have ratings. So if Howard is losing the ratings, the, the serious subscribers to, this, to the station itself is being produced by new car dealerships. Every year. Well, you just don't you don't subscribe to Howard's show. You subscribe to the channel. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, this uh, this article also states that all he seems to be talking about is his uh, uh, results of his blood work when he goes to the doctor, his eating habits, and his, his writer says, uh, uh, "God forbid that the Bachelor should be on television and season. He'll go 45 minutes to talk about the Bachelor." You know, I mean, that's not the same old Howard. No. I'm glad I don't listen to the guy because I, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. But uh, he, 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 it seems like he wants to lose listeners. And why does he need all this? Money? Well, he's got all the money in the world, he's, and he yeah, don't Howard, go anywhere. He don't spend anywhere. You know, he's not if he, if he if he's not happy because we don't know. But if he's not happy, he he can't leave. He's got a contract. Well, the only person I know who destroyed his career and likability at this level was Jerry Lewis, because I have to know him early on in life, too. And when he left, he was the most miserable and most hated, actually hated, personality in show business. What did he do to gain that uh, ill... Uh, because he got nasty with everybody? I mean, really. I mean, he cut off his whole family. Uh, he, he married a girl in Vegas and had a little girl with her. 
and, uh, and he destroyed his whole family, his sons, everybody. He just didn't. I know, he, he disinherited his, his son, I know that. All of them, yep. Megan, what, what are you, you being in that new that generation, the now generation? Aren't they? What are they saying? What are you? What are you hearing out there? About Howard Stern? Frankly, nothing. <laughs> Not from people my age. I know. Um, listening to the radio was something when I was a kid, but radio shows have been out of date for people my age for quite some time. Um, I'm sure there are people who out there who love Stern. So when but you read this article, like then, but this this wasn't a shock to you then? Not so much. It seems to me like he's he's becoming out of touch with today's, um, you know, forms of media that people are really thriving on. Oh, he hates YouTube podcast people. Or he was quoted saying, you know, podcasts, they're, they're effing bores. And it seems like he's almost saying that because he refuses to accept his waning popularity um so yeah it just seems like he's not that radio's going away obviously sirius xm still does well but yeah it just seems like he's out of what's touch he on from like six to nine media well what's his time slot i don't even know no idea no idea it's got to be early in the morning thrive on uh, uh bashing celebrities particularly go after Hilaria Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, uh, just go on and on. But now he's now he's, he's friends with them. He's gotten too close. Yeah. Now, well, he's in the, he's in the Hamptons, and who do you see? I Hello. mean, you know, he's he's gotten away from that. And according, once again, I'm paraphrasing the uh, person who wrote the article. He often hits the same notes. Uh, what he talks about: personal hygiene, looks, financial status, marital troubles, professional incompetence. That he even attacks uh, staffers. He feel uh, that uh, the same boredom that ago came over the listener. So listeners are bored because he keeps repeating the same thing. So if somebody does that, they don't want to be where they are. I mean, that's the obvious answer. Mm. So keep renewing this. But guy. Robin's still there. <laughs> she yeah, was there Robin's been with them for thirty-seven years. I know. I'm that. That's that's great loyalty. If I can ask one thing, I'm curious about yes. the, the section where she talked about how he's been documented, you know, rants and belittling his employees and even quoted, um, you know, saying that certain celebrity guests would be uh, nothing no, Let me just him. correct you for one second, though. When you said what? she, I don't want auto audience to think that Robin said it. The girl who wrote this article, what's her name? It's, 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 yes, her name's Maureen Callahan. Yeah. We're not yes, talking no, about I'm Robin. To the writer. Yeah, we're talking no, about I'm Robin because Robin, will, Robin will be calling me up, saying, "What? Why did you, that girl say that about me?" That's why I wanted. Yeah, that, that that's. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, it's, uh, so I'm sorry to correct you there, but I just want our audience no, to okay. know. Yeah, just talking the about writer. the article. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering what you guys think about that. I mean, Johnny, you've obviously been behind the scenes on the set, Pat. You've known him on a personal level as well yeah also been there um do you think that's a more recent thing or has that always kind of been something that was a flaw of his well no the thing with me in particular if you're asking me before i would go on the show i called him several times i said if i can meet you alone quietly i want to have a minute with you before i go i say i'll come on the show and then they kept saying no and i said no problem i hung up so eventually, I did get to meet him in the green room, 
by myself, without his bodyguard, without anybody in there. And he said, why do you want to do this? I said, Howard, I think I'll tell you, I think it was 60 years. I was 60 years old. I think I remember saying that to him. I said, I'm 60 years old. I hear how you you make jest to everybody or try to belittle them and all of that. I said, I just want to let you know. I'm an old-time guy, old-school guy. I respect everybody. But if you do this to me, you'll have the highest rating ever today. He said, oh, yeah, how? I said, because I will choke you to death with your <laughs> mic wire. On, on live radio. On live radio. You're not you know, bringing me on to make a fool out of me or just like you do everybody else. And that's why even Robin, for the first time, few times I was on, he was defending me when he was getting the phone calls of somebody said something off color to me. He'd say, you can't talk to him that way and hang up on him. <laughs> going. I was like... You know, talk about disrespecting uh, celebrities. There's a portion of this article where he says, uh, where, the, where the, the writer, it's a woman, says uh, uh, how he handles celebrities now. He will leave you downstairs waiting to come on, often for hours, and uh, no escort. And that, that, that's in show business. That, that's a given. Oh my as soon God, as you yeah. walk in, an escort, no matter who you are, a celebrity, uh, a non-celebrity, there's always somebody there to greet you. Well, he doesn't have that anymore. So he'll, he'll leave people in the line just stewing there. And they said, uh, people just left. And they cite uh, uh, Bon Jovi leaving twice. He sat down there for hours and nobody came down to get him. And he just left. It was on two separate occasions. After the first time. But Hello. Why come back? Hello. Well, anyway, yeah, I mean, just, it's, well, it's like, again, you know, it's so, in, in, in celebrity psyche, like us, I mean, I was determined, as you know, Pat, I was really pissed and I was determined to get on that show to promote the book. So maybe that's why a celebrity would put up with it if he's trying to promote a concert or something that he knows he's going to make money out of because of the popularity that he has and the following he has. But you do that to I mean, me he, once, forget about it. He, he's not naive. He, he knows people uh, want want the spotlight, want to have something to promote. Of course. Talk about it for hours. But hey, here's uh, Gianni Russo. He just wrote a book, and that's it. But as we discussed when our book came out, his book came out at the same time. Right. So uh, at the time, I thought, well, uh, maybe he doesn't want to take... Uh, he doesn't want to lower his own sales. I won't buy his book. They'll buy ours. I figured that's kind of childish, but maybe that was his rationale. But I'm starting to uh, uh, walk that back. Uh, I mean, the guy's worth uh, lots of money. What does he care if he can go on, on the air and sell a couple of thousand books? It's not going to hurt him. So that wasn't the reason. But, you know, I, I think when, when you said that to me, I, I thought it was the reason because I saw him soon after that with Jimmy Kimmel. And when Jimmy did his show in Brooklyn, and Howard was like just about kissing Jimmy Kimmel's ass and talking about his book and how long he stayed on, I'm saying to myself, this ain't the Howard I know. And that, now he talks about going on vacation with Jimmy Kimmel and his wife. And I mean, it's, it's, it's moronic things. That, that It's not the guy who was talking about, I was there when I was, he had me judging uh, the ugliest, Stripper in New York contest. I mean, he, he used to have these crazy contests. <laughs> well, you know, but 
there, but when you have when you do something like that, that's a, uh, an affinity with the average working guy who wants to laugh over raw stuff. Right. I don't really think about what uh, Howard and Jimmy Kimmel had for an appetizer at Jimmy's house. I know. Who yeah. cares? And when they went on vacation, now they vacation every year together. Like, who cares? I mean, <laughs> no, like you said, the transition he's made. I mean, his new wife, I met her once or twice. And uh, in fact, I, I, I crashed their wedding. They got married around the corner, unbeknownst to me. And I was going there, and they had all kinds of security at Le Cirque right here at the Bloomberg yeah. building. And, uh, I, I go to that bar normally all the time, and I perform there. So I went to the bar, and I had some drinks, and I realized it was, like, really boring. And I left. But they were going to not let me in. I was there all the time. But, uh, I mean, she's a, a wonderful uh, animal, righteous uh, cats, I think. Activist. Cats, right? Everything. Oh, was every animal? Oh, everything. Oh, I thought it was just cats. Oh, no, she was, well, yeah, she's a, a, a big contributor. There's an animal shelter out there. I think it's in Bayshore. Uh, she, she's a big advocate, you know, contributes a lot of money. And I, the Howard, I, re, I remember, uh, was, you know, it, not much of an animal lover. Let's put it that way. I mean, you haven't mentioned all Well, he's cats. a germaphobic. Oh, yeah, very. Well, very. That's, that's why I didn't want animals. I remember we talking about that. Yeah, well, now he's a big advocate of... Uh, Things I walk on four legs, you know. So. Well, that's interesting. Anyway, I guess but you know, it's uh, it, well, uh, Megan. Uh, so you really don't have an opinion of him because you never listened to him on the radio. So. An opinion of him, quite frankly, no. That's what I'm saying. Well, um, I, I mean, I, I want you to be. Him. I want you to be quite frankly. You know, when we ask you a question, quite frankly, no, I love you. You're so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Um, so so yeah, what, no, I've learned a lot about him through the two of you, and I've had, but you know. I understand who he's been on the radio over time. Um, but no, I don't have any personal experience with him, no. So the article didn't mean nothing to you, actually, just other than stating the facts? I mean, I've always, I've always known that he's been, you know, the king of radio, especially Shock Jock Radio. Shock radio, so I was, a, yeah. I was surprised to see how um, ruthless the writer was about him because I've never heard that about him before, you know, saying that the first line, the opening line of the article is the Howard Stern show long in decline is dead. And I never thought I would hear that. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. She also brought up his relationship with the pandemic. She, she compared meeting the writer. She compared the um, show where it aired all through nine 11 to the pandemic where apparently Stern didn't have a whole lot to say and a whole lot to contribute. Um, and how he's basically using it as an excuse, like you said, he's a germaphobe, he's a recluse, to um, well, you know, I think she referred not return to New York City. I think okay. she in, in the article. I think she referred to the fact that he was staying in his basement during this time. Well, I think the basement is what they call his studio. Oh, I don't know. That. Is that? I think that's what she had said. See, I, I I relate to my grandmother's basement. That's where we always ate because we couldn't <laughs> yeah, right. go upstairs. <laughs> But it's interesting how he treats the pandemic. He was even quoted saying, you know, I don't believe the pandemic will ever be over. Obviously, that's a pretty morbid stance to take. So it's interesting. I wonder if he's done with the show or if he's just done in general. Well, yeah, I, I think like psychologically, psychologically, he's done with the show. I always viewed him. I mean, once again, I, I, I loved Howard. He did a lot for me. Uh, but I always viewed him as a lot of entertainers are. 
uh, pretty low self-esteem. And then mm-hmm. they, they uh, need the limelight and the accolades to, to give it a boost. I don't think his self-esteem was ever boosted. And, uh, you know, now it's only, it, it's, it's only gotten worse. But it should have been, I would think, on the peak of his career. Well, you would think. You know, and, and I would think, too, we can't put ourselves into somebody else's head, though. You know. Uh, right. I don't know, you know, it's like I say, I always, you know, if, t- if today was the, the, the last day the earth was going to exist, I'd, I'd, I'd like to remember how it started, you know, the, that, that I knew. Oh, really- me too. Me too. I was shocked. But I, the only reason I felt good about it, then... He wasn't singling you and or uh, you or I as an individual. No, no, he, he was, it was the masses. So nobody's going on the show. <laughs> I don't ever told you this. When his first book came out, uh, naturally everybody has a book party. You, know, you and I had a great one. That was a great book party. Uh, uh, Howard Stern had two book parties. He had one, which was huge, uh, for the press, uh, which, which is normal. Then he had a more intimate private one for his friends and the people who helped him out, that's the one I went to. Uh-huh. And I, that was very nice. Uh, that's very nice. Yeah, yeah. And he, he didn't he didn't publicize the second one. It was just for his close people, you know, that, people or, that helped yeah. him or the people that he liked. Oh, really nice. The personal invitation engraved. Really nice. No. That I, is very nice. I think we yeah. beat that like, up enough. I mean, you know what I find so funny? Here we are. I'm looking for, I'm researching my mind to have something to say to talk 40 minutes about Howard, about Howard Stern, which I never thought we would be caught for no time. So I think we should just go to the mailbag. And yeah, I mean, yeah. we'll discuss the article, <laughs> we discuss the article and what we thought about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And, and, and we did. Yeah, but there was. And if people. Um, people who may not listen um, in order or with us every week or just listening to us for the first time now, we already recorded an episode on Stern, um, and it was actually titled The Howard Stern Evolution. So there's even more to that evolution that we're tacking onto right now. But that was episode 108. It actually aired um, March 10th, so not that long ago. Oh, wow. So if you need to catch up on that one, you can listen to that one as well and see how the two have compared. Well, I guess, well, this article, I mean, we, we probably would have never done another show about Howard Stern. Not, I, I wonder how it affected, Johnny, uh, I wonder how it affected him, because I, obviously he heard about this. I, I wonder what went through his head when he read this. Like uh, Megan says, this was this was a, a real slam right out of the, right out of the- Oh my eight. God, this is there like- There was no holding back on this one. Oh, she was ripping it apart. The the only the only the only um, the only other uh, close friend that I had was Frank Sinatra, when that one that British writer went after him terribly, and he never let it go. I mean, he was trying to sue. He was trying to do everything. And, Are you talking about Kitty Kelly? Yep, Kitty Kelly. Well, I told you what happened. Uh, I I researched uh, uh, Frank. Uh, you know what what we were contemplating doing. Right. And uh, Kitty Kelly's book was, was the Bible. And at the end of his life, he was buying up all the copies to give to his friends. You know, he sued her, as you say. Oh, I know. Once it came out, he was suing for the book not to come out. He didn't want damages. He just wanted the book to be pulped, basically. Yeah. He must have read the book. And he probably said, she's right. 
<laughs> you know, in his old age. <laughs> at the end of his life, he actually bought copies and gave them to his friends. So go figure. That's funny. That's wild. Yeah. No, but it's it's uh, you know I've had uh, like I said the only other person who I knew destroyed his career at the end, and it's not as big as Howard Stern. He's bigger than Howard Stern. Was Jerry Lewis. But uh, I can't believe Howard wants to bow out that way. Got to be some kind of a head trip, just like it was with Jerry Lewis. Why, why make yourself hated, disliked, when you don't have to do that? Right. You can put on an act and make like you're enjoying what you're doing. But enjoy, you know, make like you enjoy what you're doing. That's what people are tuning in for. I don't understand it. You and I can't get our heads around it, but he could obviously. Yeah. So, well, let's move on to something positive. Let's go to the mailbag. We'll be right go. back. Mailbag. This episode is brought to you partly by Hollywood Godfather La Familia. This sponsor is particularly important to Gianni, Patrick, and myself because it is giving you, our fans, the opportunity to join our family. When joining our family, you have the chance to purchase virtual interactions with Gianni, Patrick, and myself, such as Zoom meetings and video greetings. In addition, you have access to signed merchandise from Gianni, including signed copies of his memoir, Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob with Patrick Picciarelli, as well as signed photographs from The Godfather. Visit HollywoodGodfatherFamily.com to join and to learn about how you can become an associate or even an underboss or boss of the family. Such status will come with perks. Prices and details are also available at HollywoodGodfatherFamily.com. Trust us, this is an offer you can't refuse. Okay, yeah. it's time for the mailbag. All right, let's get to it. First is from Joe. Gianni, a few episodes back, you mentioned that you really like Ed McMahon, but you never got the chance to explain. Please tell us more about your friendship with him. I just liked Ed McMahon, and now that, you know, that's a great opportunity for Pat to talk about what he's doing with the daughter. I never realized how nuts he was. But Ed McMahon... The Ed McMahon I knew was the Ed McMahon everybody knew from The Tonight Show, a drunk and just didn't care about anything. And now his daughter is proving that because Pat, fortunately, is writing, or shouldn't I be talking about that, Pat? Yeah, yeah, no, you, no, you, you could. Uh, um, I just submitted a proposal. I'm uh, writing a book with uh, Ed McMahon's daughter, Catherine, who's uh, a real sweetheart, a very, very nice lady, lives in California. She's writing a memoir. And which is, you know, people say, well, how can you write a memoir when you're only 35? Uh, what this woman went through as part of that family uh, is uh, you, you couldn't put in five lifetimes the torture she went through physically and mentally. And I don't want to give any more of it away, but uh, it's very readable. Johnny, you read the proposal. Yeah, no, I love it. No, I, yeah, I, I was in shock. She had a hell of a life. And the, the thing is, you know, no one knows what goes on, no matter what family you're in, whether it's a celebrity family or an average family. No one goes no knows what goes on behind closed doors. But you get an image like you had, Gianni, of Ed McMahon, jolly with the laugh. And everybody knew he drank. He didn't care. That was part of his persona. Right. Part of his uh, trademark. And, you know, jolly, happy guy. Wait until you read this book. And well, you know, it's funny that you're saying that because my relationship with like the people like Sinatra and Dean Martin and all that, and then when I, when I talk to their kids and they talk like their father was home every night and they don't even spend time with them. They'd be on the road for months. They didn't care about their kids. I hate to yeah. say that. I mean, they cared about them. They sent a check home. But, uh, 
They're not warm and fuzzy. Nor am I. I'm, 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 I'd be another guy, like you say, my, my kids. My kids, I mean, they were there. That was it. I mean, I was living the life I wanted to live, and I never said I wanted to be a stay-at-home dad. At the end, I did want to be, and then it was too late. But, uh, no, Ed McMahon, I was shocked when I read what you wrote in the proposal because we all knew him as a jolly guy. Like me and Dean, to me, Dean, I think Dean Martin would be the perfect father. But most people don't realize he paid 18 holes of golf, played gin rummy, and he was out all night. So when did they see Daddy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's well, crazy. Well, you know, with, uh, with, with Ed, they saw a, a lot of Ed. It's, uh, they shouldn't have, let's put it that way. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I don't want to, you know. No, 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 no. When the book comes what out, these people calling me. When the book comes out, we have an episode on it and we talk about it. Until then, you know, proposals are supposed to be uh, for the publishing uh, business only. Okay, moving on. All right, next is from. What is people calling me for, man? Why can't I shut this off? Right. That's for me, I'm not it's here. It's off. No, I, I put it on and shut it off. Okay, go ahead. Oh, don't worry about it. All right, next is from Susan. I'm really enjoying the podcast. Thank you so much for imparting your life experiences and philosophies with your audience. My question is, now that you're many years post-polio, are there any therapies or treatments that you find especially helpful with the residual effects of the virus? I'm sure people who had polio earlier in life would be interested to know, and perhaps you could answer. Perhaps your answer could help them in some way. Thank you very much. Well, polio was more complicated than just the virus because it uh, could affect your respiratory system. It could affect so many different things. Me, what I find, and it's the simplest thing in the world, I love heat. So, I mean, I like Epsom salt, Epsom salt baths. I like heating pads. So if I get any, any kind of residual pain on my whole left side of my body, I go to heat. But I don't know if that's going to help somebody who had a respiratory system. Well, I only know over the last, you know, 70 years of mine, or now, well, I was cured now when I was 12, so 66 years, I always could turn to heat. And if that could help anybody, please use it. All right, next is from Asaf from Israel. I'm a big fan of you, Gianni, and the whole podcast team, Megan and Patrick. You are all doing a great job. In an episode, you mentioned Menachem Golan, R.I.P., and the movie you made with him, Lepke. I watched the movie, and I want to say that you did the best job there, and I would very much like to hear from you more about this movie and Israel and the real story the movie was based on. Thanks. Please keep up the great podcast. Well, the real story is about Murder Incorporated. Louis Lepke and Albert Anastasia, the character I played, they created Murder, Inc., and that's what it was about. And then the second one I did was about another show we did called The Fischetti Brothers just recently where Jack Palance played the older brother and I played the younger brother. But, uh, you know, they were great Israel directors, came from Israel, made a lot of movies, and then left for some reason. So I don't know. And that, that's been, my God, that's 40-something years ago. Next question. All right, next is from Daniel. Gianni, did you know Barbara Sinatra when she was still married to Zeppo Marx of the Marx Brothers? Uh -oh. how, did she, how did she go from being a chip hustler to being married to Zeppo to eventually being married to Frank? That was her 
programming, let's put it that way. She worked for a good Ooh. friend of mine, Eddie Torres. She was a, uh, one of the, well, every showroom in Vegas early on had a line, a showgirl line. It was a thing they did with the opening acts and trying to mimic what the Copa had, if you were a Copa girl in New York or a Latin Quarter girl. They eliminated that. So during the time of the shows, two shows a night, or after even, those girls had to go out and sit with customers and uh, fraternize with the high rollers to clean that up. Then she married, I mean, I mean, look at Barbara Marks. Why would she marry Zeppo? Why? She was a Marx Brothers fan. Come yeah, on. yeah, hello. She liked comedy. But anyway, <laughs> she was moving up. And then, you know, then she was, uh, Frank fancied her. But I mean, talk about Frank abusing people. I never saw anybody get more abused than her. He'd, he'd throw a, a, a crystal ashtray across the room and he'd run ahead with it. But she stayed. But then she got her own way at the end, man. She she controlled him right to the end. But, you know. She, she recently died, right? Your yeah, name? she just died last year, actually. Mm. No, but, but uh, no, Barbara and I, I mean, Barbara, I mean, Barbara really bastardized my relationship with Frank. Even my 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 god my son, his godson, he wouldn't he they wouldn't even let us go to the funeral. Fortunately, you know the Monsignor had Good Shepherd Church. I went in that night after the rosary and said goodbye to my friend. But uh, Barbara was treacherous, man, treacherous. Next, All right, next is also from Daniel. Gianni, do you believe the stories that Frank Sinatra had an affair with Nancy Reagan while she was the first lady? Hey, I think he did because that's who he was. He'd get drunk and he, I, I think he was trying to screw a couple of people in the White House. Supposedly he said he screw, he was with Jackie. Oh, I mean Jackie uh, Kennedy before she was Jackie Onassis. But who'd want to be with her? I mean, so I don't know if that's a... It's a trophy uh, thing, you know. Well, I guess. I, how many president's wives I could screw? I don't know what that's about. But anyway. Uh, I've, I've got a list, uh, but I get them up. <laughs> the only one I, mean, I, I, I was just going to say something that's totally off color thank god no, uh, I forgot where we are I can't do that my favorite my favorite was Eleanor Roosevelt boy she was hot <laughs> okay let's move on please before we All say right. something we shouldn't <laughs> next is from Alex hello guys I'm a diehard fan of your podcast I listen to each episode as soon as it comes out I can't get enough my question is for Gianni if Frank Costello had remained boss of the Luciano family, what do you think would have been of you? Do you think Frank would have straightened you out and made you a member of the Luciano family, or would you have done the same thing you did for him? First of all, I could have been a member of any family. They forbid me to be. And anybody that's in their right mind, if you really like somebody and know that life, if they want you in it, they don't like you. And that's why even when sons make their sons, I don't know what that's about. But um, no, I think if you're truly liked by, and I was liked by a lot of guys, Tony Ocardo, I can name three or four guys. And they always said, stay out of this life. And I did. I was on the periphery of it. I, I capitalized on it. I'm still capitalizing on it. But um, I don't know why anybody want, would want to be in that 
if you had a, a clear head and, and had credibility to do other things other than become a gangster and a mobster as a young man and, and then get drawn into it, but that's something else. All right, next is from Greg. Greg says, hi Gianni, of all the successful men you've been around in the business world, would you say, who would you say is the master negotiator, a person that you consider the best at getting their way? Well, I have a, a several, but I can't even mention their names. That's how high profile they are. No, I have a guy that I talk to once a week. I have a guy now that's, you know, I've been friends with for 20 something years. And I don't do anything without talking to him. It's not negotiating. These guys are so smart. They don't negotiate. They just tell you what, how to make the deal that works. And not that you're going to go and negotiate a deal. That That's not a smart man. And that's not a guy that you could say is at the top of his game. These guys tell you what they want and they get it. So that's, I couldn't tell you their names though. All right. Greg also asks... It seems like you've lived in some of the most recognizable cities around the world. Some maybe not as recognizable. If you had to live out the rest of your life in only one of these places, where would that be and why? NY is right. New York. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I'm living right where I want to be. I love New York City. I mean, you know, I just, had, I just had this conversation. All the great places that you hear about, you have to be, like if you want to live in the Amalfi Coast. Well, in October, I hope you're going skiing. And then after that, I mean, you come, you're going to go to the Monte Carlo. Because I mean, these places get boring. They're seasonal places. There's nobody in the Amalfi Coast in November, December, January. You don't want to be there. It's like being in Cannes in January. There's nobody on the beach. See you later. It's, uh, no, I mean, living somewhere, I mean, I've been in this apartment I walked in there the first time I've been in it since I was 13. So figure that out. It's 65 years ago. Why would I be here if I didn't like it? <laughs> do you do you love the current New York or the or the way it used to be? Oh, the current New York you can't even like. We don't even know what it is yet. It's it's been eradicated for two years. We don't know what's out there. It's like living. I I told, I just had this conversation with people. I don't know what New York is right now. Maybe we're going to know in six months from now. But I make my own New York. I don't need to go someplace. I have people that I like come here, and I move on. I do things. I was never one to, you know, have to feed off a, a place. But um, yeah. the old New York, I mean, there was no better place than the, the 60s and 70s in New York, the 50s oh, yeah. even. There was that was celebrities and nightclubs and crazy times, but you know, the whole world is in. I think right now fractured. You talk about any place, they are having a, a you know, there's a, a, a right now we're we're in a, a, a dormant situation to see how we come out of this COVID. I'm not happy. No. All right. And finally, from Greg, he says, I've listened to all your shows, and a popular question throughout each season seems to ask about restaurant recommendations. This leads me to wonder how the authenticity of the restaurants today in Little Italy compared to the days when you were younger. Speaking for myself, my grandparents' cooking is fabulous and something I could never duplicate. I suspect as each generation passes, the food becomes less, less authentic. Agree or disagree? 
disagree. As for you're talking about Little Eddie, I totally disagree. There's so many great restaurants. There's this, this recipes have been passed down forever, and I mean Lamella. I mean, I could I could recommend. Well, you I say you to Lamella. What'd you think? Lamella was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, so there's. I mean, I'm some, a big carbonara fan, and they were high on the list. Yeah, a heart um, attack on a plate. Yeah, no, it's the best oh, yeah. I love it. Don't know if I can eat it forever, but no. for now I'm gonna get my forever. No, but I mean, there's so many great restaurants. Cafe Napoli. I mean, uh, I, I can, I can. If I start naming them, then I'll get, I'll get phone calls. Why'd you leave me out? This, this. Yeah, right. You know how that is. No, so there little, may be some little, new ones that aren't as authentic, but overall they've been. If they've been there consistent. for twenty years, go to them. If they haven't been there for more than twenty years, then they're new. And then you have to see for a yourself. Good restaurant in New York, you better be authentic. You're not yeah. going to last. Hello. That's also true. Yeah. All right. Okay. Next is from Rachel. Hello, everyone. I hope you are all well and keeping safe. Love your podcast so much. I wonder if Gianni has ever met Joan Crawford. I, I met her once, but not to, not to say I could say I, I met her at a party at someone's home, but she was already soused. So, I mean, Joan Crawford. Mm. <laughs> she Did was, she hit you with a wire hanger? I mean, she no, 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 no. Thank God. She probably wanted to, but I didn't, I didn't stay long enough. Oh, good. All right. Next is from Billy. Hey, all longtime listener, first time writing in. Just wanted to ask if anybody ever told Pat he sounds like Frank Vincent. I picture Frank whenever Pat is talking. Also, really? I've been listening. <laughs> um, I've been listening to Megan for a long time, but only recently saw what she looked like, and she's gorgeous. Her beautiful voice matches her appearance. Thank you. Whoa. Keep up the great work. Love from Melbourne, Australia. I well, I'll, I'll consider that a compliment. I mean, he, he was a good actor. For those of you who don't know who Frank Vincent is, he was on The Sopranos. He was Tony Soprano's arch enemy. Uh, another guy who uh, passed away not too long ago. Right. So I don't like him now, but maybe, you know, back in the day. Have you ever heard that before? That you no, sound like no, him? No. Somebody once told me I sounded like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know. I'm a, you know I'm, a, I'm a man of many voices. There you go. Hmm. All right. I think we have time for one more. This one is from Anthony in Vegas. Anthony says, first of all, love the show, guys. I look forward to it every Wednesday. And I have two questions for Mr. Gianni. First one is any plans on performing in Vegas anytime soon? And question two, what was Vegas really like back in the day? Was it really better when the mob ran the town? Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work and God bless. I, don't, I, I can't even imagine you asked that question. How long have you lived in Vegas? This town was run by, when the mob was there, was the best place to be. Now, I, you're having a lot of problems there. I don't, can't even get into that, but it's, uh, I have children there, I have grandchildren there. I worry about them because of the, Vegas. I don't know, Vegas is going to come back the way we knew it. It's, um, it's, it's a big problem, big problem. But um, that's a negative. I'm sorry we had to close with a negative, but uh, the good news oh, is... Oh, it's okay. I think they'll forgive us. Okay. Oh. I don't know. Well, well... If they don't. We enjoyed the show. I hope all of you did. And tell your friends and enemies, whoever, as long as they listen in, write a great review, 
and keep building our following and we'll keep being here every Wednesday night. We love you. God bless you. And get inoculated or whatever they're doing, they're vaccined, whatever they call vaccinated. it. And, and, vaccinated. And, and, and if there's a long line when you're waiting to get the vaccine, you can you can read a Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's a good book, and time will fly before you know they'll be sticking a needle in you. There you go. Great. Perfect. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you. All right. Good night, guys. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Or when it seems your friends desert you. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. I'll be around. Give me a call. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I want you to tune into Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you hear your podcasts. Remember, we put up a new show every Wednesday night. Special guests, special surprises constantly, and you can get involved. Hollywood Godfather Podcast.